Welcome to Unchained TV, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. You're about to hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your health, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. We are so excited to have uh, just the most fascinating guest, the maker of Rowdy Girl, the story of a Texas cattle rancher who went vegan, and the star of the movie, Renee King Sonnen herself, the co-founder of Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, was a cattle ranch in Texas. She had an experience you'll hear about, a spiritual experience went vegan and the rest is history. We're also going to talk to Jason Goldman, who has just put out this extraordinary movie that is just getting rave reviews. So uh, normally I'd start with Renee, but Jason, you made this film. It is so compelling. We're going to play a clip in a second. Tell us why you made the film and how it turned out so brilliantly. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you, Jane, for having uh, us on today. Um, you know, I wanted to, uh, channel my experience in film production. Mostly I come from producing TV commercials and client work and put that energy into something else, something that I cared about, uh, passionately. And, you know, I went vegan in in 2016 and around 2018 is when I started coming up with the idea of doing a feature film about animal sanctuaries. I felt like in the spectrum of animal rights films, there might be an opportunity for something about a, a sanctuary owner and what drove them to create this entity that, you know, rescues maybe a hundred or so animals uh, for their lifetime when comparison to, you know, 90, 92 billion are killed a year. Um, Anyway, so fast forward to 2018, I connected with Renee um, and felt like her story of rescuing animals, of going through her transformation um, was remarkable. And the fact that not only was she doing it to rescue animals, but as she puts it, she started to rescue ranchers. I felt that story really needed um, a full treatment. And I was, I was thrilled that she and Tom were willing to let me come spend time and, and see how their operation works and, and help tell their story. I just want to say one of the reasons why this film is so brilliant, and I'm going to play a clip in a second, is that it's so authentic. There is not a phony moment in the whole thing. And it's, there's no vanity. Renee doesn't care if her hair is messy. And (laughs) Renee doesn't care if she just rolled out of bed to greet the cows. And, you know, that takes a lot of courage. Um, And that's one of the reasons I think it works. It's not somebody who's posing a la a reality TV show. She is literally letting you see, you know, behind the curtain, uh, warts and all, of everything that goes into the sanctuary and who she is. Renee, how did you get the courage to do that? You know, there's so many people who want to look good and might say, stop the camera till I brush my hair and put on my makeup. You didn't do that. Oh my God, I can't believe you're picking out the very thing I sometimes look at it and I go, what the hell? I just rolled out of bed and we were on camera. (laughs) But you know, It was, uh, I guess what prepared me for moments like this was all those floods I went through. 
I when I was when I was listening to you talk, I was like thinking, you know, I couldn't care, you know, what I look like, um, whether I even brush my teeth or not. Most days when we were evacuating all those animals, it was just always, you know, get up, do what you got to do, get it done. And when Jason was here, uh, so much just living with us when he was documenting the story, it was right after the fir- the third flood when we were living in that little thousand thousand square foot home uh, down the way, where is what what is now our uh, operations for our animal care team, our administrative staff. I mean, we were living on top of you know the people working there, Asili the turkey, all the cats and the dogs. We were, and so I I didn't have. I didn't have the luxury of thinking about, well, let me fix my hair or whatever. I mean, there was none of that. And 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 my life doesn't exist that way anyway. I mean, when, when I go travel and I speak and I get the opportunity to to be, you know, somewhat presentable, uh, I do, of course, of course, take that take that opportunity. But, you know, you just got to take it as it is uh, when you're when you got so many lives that you're taking care of. I want to play a clip of the film. We don't want to give it all away. We want you to see it. We're going to show you a link to find out all the screenings. But this is one short excerpt, and then we'll discuss on the other side. Me and Tommy have been married twice. I'm pretty honest about my life. I'm in recovery. I've been sober now, you know, over seven years. And so when we divorced, first time had to do with that. And the first time we married, he didn't have a cattle ranch. And in the middle of us being divorced and remarried, I bought a ranch. And 2010, we got married. She moved into the ranch, and I didn't she really did want not to like me selling the cows. And I would just complain all the time, and I'd cry, and I was, I would, you know, I would say, "Can't you hear those mamas crying?" And he would mm-hmm. tell me I had to you know, suck it up, basically, and I couldn't. She'd call me a murderer. I remember <laughs> distinctly looking in her uh, Volkswagen, I think it was, on the floorboard, and there were several Chick-fil-A bags in there, and I'd go, oh, you eat Chick-fil-A and you're calling me a murderer. Where do you think, <laughs> where do you think that filet mignon comes from that you love so much? What a great moment where it's funny, but it's poignant, but it's revealing, it hits home. We've got a caller, uh, Donnie Moss in New York. Your question or thought for our fabulous panel, star and filmmaker of Rowdy Girl the Movie. Hi there, Renee and Jason and Jane. So I saw Rowdy Girl at a film festival in New York and loved it, and there wasn't nearly enough time for the Q&A at the end. So my question is, you know, I know that, Jason, you went down to Texas and you had your subject, but did you have any idea of what story you wanted to tell? Like, how did you how did you put that together? Um, you know, I uh, when people ask this question, I, I have my stock answer, which Donnie, I'll give you as well, is that um, advice given to me in documentaries is you you have one idea for a film, you shoot a second idea and you edit and finish a third idea. So. Um, I, you have to go in open-minded and part of the reason I think this film works the way it does is because Tommy and Renee are very authentic and to your point, Renee, like there's, there's nothing held back. And once you can create that kind of openness and vulnerability between a filmmaker and the subjects of the film, who knows what can happen? 
So I felt myself very fortunate where every time I'd go down there, something was going on at the property, something new was going on in their lives of activists. And, you know, filmmaking is a lot like crossing a river where you pick and choose what stones you want to step upon that kind of make your path. And in this case, tell the story. And I was um, lucky enough to have uh, a wide selection, of great moments to pick and choose from and, and really help build my vision of what their work and life is um, in, in the most idyllic way that I, I experienced it and, and saw it myself. Um, so the, the film kind of takes on its own life at a certain point and, and you walk away with what you hope is the best representation and, and the vision of what you want audiences to see. Wow, what a great answer. And uh, I want to say that uh, I also uh, saw it and I was just blown away by it. And people are saying Tommy and Renee are brilliant animal ambassadors. And he says, I cannot wait to watch this incredible film. And uh, if you want to find out where to see it, it's very easy. Just go to rowdygirlfilm.com rowdygirlfilm.com and forward slash screening has all the screenings as well as the reviews. You were in Variety, which is no small feat. And Moby, who is the executive producer, the famed musician Moby, um, he said in Variety, my hope is people will see both the vulnerability and emotional complexity of the animals in Rowdy Girl, but also recognize Renee as the inspiring and fascinating Texan that she is. And, you know, I've always said Renee can deliver the message that people in Texas and in middle America can hear. But if somebody from like I'm from Manhattan and I live in Venice, California, uh, they're not going to listen to me. They're going to listen to Renee. And I just wanted to ask um, both of you about that. In other words, we're in a, an echo chamber where we're talking to each other all the time and we already agree, but we need the rest of America to hear this message, Renee. Yeah, yes, we do. And, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity recently to be in several interviews. And one of the main thing that I, I'm realizing that, it, that I'm saying more and more is that my hope, my prayer is that my transformation, me and my, me and my husband's evolution, our spiritual experience on a cattle ranch, that when people are sitting in their living rooms, that that emotional experience translates inside of them, that they are able to feel, touch, hear everything that we went through and that that awakening happens right there where they sit. If we can achieve that, if we can achieve a way where we can get our story into the hearts, minds, souls of people as they're watching it, and they can have that epiphany on their own, we've 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 done it. That's that's what I really feel like can happen here because I hear people like you and Moby and others say things like that to me and Tommy all the time, and I'm so humbled by it because you know what you see is what you get with me. I really don't pull any punches and. You know, some people like it and, you know, I've had some people that didn't, but, you know, I really don't care. I just do it for the animals. It's for them. And if our Texas transformation can get into their hearts and minds and make them wake up, so be it. Well, that is so beautifully put. We have another caller asking about Rowdy Girl, the movie that is hopefully going to hit theaters all over the world. 
and is in the process of going to some very prestigious uh, film festivals. Um, Annie in Sherman Oaks, your question or thought? Thank you so much for making this movie. Uh, Renee and Jason, incredible. And Jane, thanks for having the World Environment Animal Human Saving Programs like nobody else. Incredible. I want to ask, this movie is amazing. looks amazing, this trailer. I can hardly watch. What were the biggest, you know, uh, um, the, the, the difficulties, the challenges that you had making this movie? Good question. It's incredible. Um, Thank yeah. you, Annie. Uh, Jason, uh, take it away. I'm sure there yeah. were a lot of challenges. For sure. Um, I'd say the biggest challenge is I wish I could have shot more. Um, I was lucky that every time I turned the camera on, there was something engaging that I could follow Renee and Tommy doing. But, you know, um, I wish I had been able to shoot more days, longer period of time. Um, you know, uh, I think it would have been more of a burden <laughs> on them, perhaps, and certainly my team. But um, you always want to be able to capture even more moments and find more opportunities. And, you know, I think that's just the nature of, of these kinds of projects that don't really, you know, I don't, there's no conclusion. This doesn't wrap up in a nice bow. Um, there's no like big event on the horizon that makes everybody feel great. It's just a collection of experiences and emotional meditative moments that put you in that mindset that Renee is referring to of hope, opening your heart and mind. So, um, so yeah, I, I wish there was more and I wish there was another film that could be cut from all the footage that, that is left over. <laughs> well, yeah, never know, never say never, maybe a series, you know, behind the scenes. Uh, we've got another call. Wow. Callers lining up Paige in Agoura Hills. Your question or thought for Renee King Sonnen of the Rowdy Girl Sanctuary and Jason Goldman, the filmmaker. Go ahead. Hi, Rowdy Girl and Jason. This is so amazing to have y'all on this and hear about behind the scenes. Okay, this question is specifically for you, Renee, because I've been thinking about this. Tell us, what was that moment that you had your shift? Like the moment, because I honestly believe it was a spiritual shift for me. And I've heard you share a little bit about that. Like, will you please tell us because... I have hope for people <laughs> and I'm going to keep hoping. Thank okay. Excellent question. Go ahead. The moment. The moment. Well, it took almost five years to get that moment. And so um, that moment was in my mother-in-law's ha uh, house on Halloween day. It's coming up the day I went vegan in talk in 2014. Um, I had just watched Dr. Melanie Joy's dissertation on carnism, where she talks about beef stew and uh, the family is enjoying beef stew. And somebody says, what's the recipe? This is so good. And one of the family members, one of the, the, the lady of the house says, oh, you start off with a pound of very young golden retriever. Well, I freaked out. Uh, again, this is the culminating moment of after almost five years of losing my mind. And I went to my mother-in-law's house that same day with Tommy. He was very, very upset with me. Extreme. We had, had a big fight. It was extremely difficult. It was very emotional. I put on my makeup. I was looking good, but I was feeling horrible. And I went in that house and my mother-in-law brought out a pot of beef stew. Uh, amongst all of that, there was kids in costumes. Uh, we were waiting to 
uh, participate in a block party parade that we did every year. It was a big family event. The in-laws, the outlaws, they were all talking, chattering, tittering, kids everywhere. And I just said, I can't eat that. And my mother-in-law said, why not, Renee? And I said, because it's got a bunch of floating dead, hacked up animal bodies in it. And I am not touching that. And I've never, ever called a pot of beef stew floating dead, hacked up animals. Uh, that's exactly what it is. But I had never said that out loud. And when it came out of my mouth, when it actually, when it actually processed through me that way and I spit that out, Everybody in the house shut down. They looked at me like I had just cussed my mother-in-law out. And I was like, what? And I was I, I was probably in the, in a moment of actually going crazy at that time. And, and everybody looked at me. My husband was just like, oh, my God, Renee, what did you say? And my mother-in-law said, what did you say? And I repeated myself. It's got floating dead, hacked up animal bodies in it. Absolutely not. And everybody was, oh, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. And my husband was like, Renee, how dare you? And I was like, I'm done. And my mother-in-law was like, well, Renee, you can pick it out. And I was like, no, ma'am, there ain't no more picking it out for me. That's it. It's over. <laughs> I slid down the rabbit hole of veganism at that moment. And I tell you, it was as if, you know, when vampires shift, you know, if a vampire, when they finally become a vampire, it's like everything changes, you know? They go from being, being a normal human to wanting blood. Well, I went from a normal human eating blood to like, oh, my God, get the blood out of my life. I do not want any more flesh, no more zombies, nothing. I'm not going to be a part of the living dead anymore. Oh, wow. Well, that answer is for the record books. How fantastic. We've got so many callers here. Uh, Sarah, Venice Beach, California, your question or thought for our panel. Hi, I really love that story, and um, I'm glad that you went vegan on Halloween because, you know, eating animals is really scary, and <laughs> I really enjoyed going to Texas and visiting my best friend, Adam, and we got to go to Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, and we went on a tour, and it was amazing, and my question for you is, Renee, would you even consider having virtual tours possibly like once a month or once a quarter so that people that may not be able to get to Texas to come to see how amazing your place is, they could actually experience it virtually somehow. That would be my question because I had already had it in my head. Like, what was I, you know, what would it be like? But when you go there, it's just so much better than you even could expect because you know, it's just amazing. So Great I really question. want more people to be able to see it. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Um, well, that sounds like a good idea. What do you think? I I love the idea. I, it's it's a it's an idea that has been uh, expressed to us before, and I just don't know how to uh, make it all happen. I don't know if we need you know what kind of cameras we need. I don't know what kind of stuff we need, what kind of gear. I mean, if I do something like that, it seems like a production. Uh, well, there's this guy I know who's really good with cameras. He might be able to help you out. But, you know, it's a good idea. And a lot of good ideas come out of these kinds of conversations. Um, we've got one more caller. And then hopefully we'll dive into some details on the film. Nilofar in Dallas, Texas. Your question or thought for Renee King Sonnen of Rowdy Girl and Jason Goldman, the filmmaker. 
Hi. I looked at the upcoming screenings, and unfortunately, Dallas, Texas is not one of those cities. Um, what do we do to get it to screen in Dallas, Texas? And number two, um, how did you get into South Seoul, South Korea? Take it away, Jason. Yeah, I would say um, continue to follow the film on the website, on social media, Renee as well. On social media, the film is Rowdy Girl Film and Rowdy Girl Sanctuary, of course, to follow Renee. And it, you know, at a certain point, we're going to start curating local community events whereby we would rent a theater in Dallas for a few nights and give everybody the opportunity to come and see the film and ideally Renee and, and, I, and myself join as well. So I would suggest continue to follow. There's, um, there's an impact opportunity to sign up for on the website. Uh, we're raising money to put out an impact campaign, um, which would put the film in theaters uh, at our choosing and kind of bring it on tour. You know, Renee used to be in a country western band, so she knows what tour life is like. We want to put the film on tour and put Renee in the spotlight again. So, um, so yeah, the, the best I can say is just stay in touch. And there is a spot on the rowdygirlfilm.com page where you can sign, you can put all your information in and say that you want to have a screening in your neighborhood. So everybody start doing that. Go to rowdygirlfilm.com and fill that out. And uh, I think it would be absolutely extraordinary. Uh, but let me ask you a provocative question, because one of the reasons I started Unchained TV, the world's only vegan streaming network, is that I've gone to a gazillion screenings about these kinds of issues, you know, transformation, to nonviolence, not eating animals, and everybody in the room is already vegan. How do we get this crucial information out to the people who need it, um, who are the everyday consumers, uh, who are so disconnected from their food? I'll just give you one example. There was a story about a woman who was in a fast food place, and she opened up her sandwich, and there was a nipple in the deli slice and she screamed that it was a big drama and everybody's running around. It's like, where did she think her food came from? And so those are the people we need to reach. How do we target them? This is the question that keeps me up at night, Jason. You know, that's always kind of been the goal of this film is to break into a mainstream audience of non-vegan, non-animal rights people who would still go see it. And that is, was the intention behind the style, the tone, all the creative choices I made. And also how the distribution is going. You know, we've been trying to do a traditional route. We've been in, in you know, a handful of film festivals. We're going to keep pushing that route. We're going to be looking for traditional distribution on streaming platforms, on PBS, and put it in local theaters and community centers around the country. And the goal is that we don't have to signal that this is a big animal rights film or anything like that. We simply want to attract people based on the promotional material, the targeting, and let them find and connect the story on their own terms, um, create events based on it. So we'll have local people from the community who come uh, promote the film. We can have uh, food companies sponsor it. We want to, we want to entice people to come um, who might not necessarily want to, but maybe their friend knows about it, or maybe they're an environmentalist and know more about animal ag's devastating consequence and climate change. And, and find people, you know, like what Renee and Tommy do, find people where they are and um, find a way to get them to open up, to listen, and to come to see a screening of the film. Um, I, I think everybody has their own journey to becoming vegan or to giving up animal products. We are just providing another opportunity for them to connect with that emotional experience inside 
and and do it through a um, you know artistic cultural way that um, they may not get by watching a speech online or reading a news article or seeing some kind of you know um, informative uh, content that is targeted specifically. This is a more subtle uh, and more gentle way and more emotional way to connect with people. So. So that, that's the route that, that, you know, was my vision and that I've been pursuing. So Moby, the famed musician, is the executive producer. He's very involved with films. He recently put out a punk rock vegan movie, which is fabulous and got to give it a plug. It's streaming on Unchained TV, which is our free vegan streaming network. You can watch it. Just go to UnchainedTV.com and you can follow the links and just watch that for free. He wants it out for free. And I love that concept. Um, you know, the world is in shambles right now, tragedies all over the place. And um, we often say money isn't going to mean much if we have an uninhabitable planet. So my question to you is you were offered Moby's music, correct me if I'm wrong, and you decided to go with no soundtrack, which not that I'm a huge fan of Moby's music. I listen to it all the time. But what I thought was so fascinating about your film is that the soundtrack is completely unique because there is no music and the it's like the nitty gritty reality of that ranch, that sanctuary, that farmed animal sanctuary just comes to light. Tell us about how you made that courageous decision, because that is a gutsy move not to have music. And then especially when Moby, the executive producer, <laughs> offers the music to you. Um, I'll first say that Moby uh, is a very in touch artist. So when um, he got on the project, he was very open about um, protecting my vision of the film. And I encouraged his ideas and his thoughts. Um, but at the same time, he said, you know, it's your film, do what you want to do. Um, so there are two things that are behind that. One, you know, you mentioned earlier, Jane, that you're in, you're in Venice. You grew up in Manhattan. You know, I'm also living in Manhattan. So what is it like to be in a sanctuary? A lot of people have not even met these animals in person. So I wanted to, you know, leverage the tools of cinema and make this, you know, a transportative experience that you can really see what it's like to be in a sanctuary. And, and, and whether that's, you know, the, the beautiful light, that's the scenery, uh, and most importantly, the audio, because so much of, of filmmaking is not only visual, but, but audio. Um, and second thing I wanted to do is avoid having the audio or music be kind of an emotional pull. Um, you know, when you're making these kinds of films, especially when it crosses over to the mainstream, I don't want people to walk away saying, well, you know, the music was what really made these moments sad or happy or otherwise. And if I can take that out of the conversation and give you a very pure, authentic experience and make it a good one, then that doesn't even need to be part of the conversation of what the impact of the film is. And it can simply be a very pure experience as an audience member, just being absorbed by the world uh, in front of you. And was that something that you just came up with on your own or is that, because I know Variety said that it was an observational style or somebody commented that your film is an observational style. I'll, I'll admit something. Renee wanted to do a Zoom with me and she jumps on a Zoom with me and she says, there are some filmmakers here and they're going to be recording our Zoom. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me? I look, I just rolled out of bed. So I... <laughs> declined to do the Zoom because 
I didn't want to look bad. You know, I, I wasn't, my hair wasn't, but that's what the compliment to Renee, everything is authentic. She didn't want to let me know in advance. Oh, so gussy up because they're going to do this. And that I know it, it proved to me when I saw the film come out, I was like, wow, that's why they did what they did. So um, that is just a compliment that, you know, there's no faking authenticity, either it's authentic or it isn't. And uh, I'm just really wondering if there were moments where you decided to dial back on that. Like, were there moments where you said, this is a little too authentic? I got to take the edge off or not? I wouldn't say there are moments that were uh, too authentic that we left out. There were certainly things that made more sense in the overall narrative of the film, things that didn't make sense as much in the narrative of the film. So we still have to pick and choose that. Um, but you know, I didn't want to have any artifice. I wanted, I didn't want to have a moment where suddenly you'd be thrown out of your experience saying, wow, this looks really over dramatized or that doesn't seem real at all. So I was very, uh, very considerate about, um, how we edited the film, but that's also the approach. You know, if I'm just following you around with the camera day after day after day, eventually you're not going to really be thinking about it as much. And that's when you can really find these intimate moments and authentic experiences that will end up in, in these kinds of films. So yeah, for observational documentaries, oftentimes they don't have soundtracks. Sometimes they do. Sometimes it's very specific moments. They want to add some music in. Um, but I just didn't want to, you know, uh, play around with that at all. And I just wanted to give a very, you know, uh, um, a wall of sound being cicadas and cows chewing grass and Sealy. um, voicing her strong opinions about Tommy and Renee and, and, you know, everything that was there, that, that alone is plenty of audio in my opinion. Oh yeah. And, uh, Seeley is the Turkey. And so we're going to take a short break here on voice America radio, but we're going to stay live on unshamed TV, the streaming network, as well as all socials, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter X, actually not Instagram, but all the others. So uh, stick with us. We'll be back in 30 seconds. But we're going to continue to discuss this. And actually, I always take this moment to... Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Get Unchained. Tune in every Wednesday for Unchained TV on the Voice America Variety Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Unchained TV, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Unchained TV. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email in to jane at unchainedtv.com. Now, back to the show. We are talking to uh, the star of Rowdy Girl the Movie and the filmmaker, Jason Goldman, is getting rave reviews. I played this clip, it's just a minute. It's the only clip we have. Because you got to see the movie. Let's play it again and continue our conversation for those who missed it. Me and Tommy have been married twice. Yeah, I'm pretty honest about my life. I'm in recovery. I've been sober now, you know, over seven years. And so when we divorced the first time, it had to do with that. And the first time we married, he didn't have a cattle ranch. And in the middle of us being divorced and remarried, I bought a ranch. In 2010, we got married. She moved into the ranch, and I didn't she really did want not to like me selling the cows. And I would just complain all the time, and I'd cry, and I was, I would, you know, I would say, "Can't you hear those mamas crying?" And he would mm-hmm. tell me I had to, you know, suck it up, basically, and I couldn't. <laughs> She'd call me a murderer. I remember <laughs> okay. distinctly looking in her. Uh, Volkswagen, I think it was, on the floorboard, and there were several Chick-fil-A bags in there. And I go, "Oh, you eat Chick-fil-A, and you're calling me a murderer. Where do you think, <laughs> where do you think that filet mignon comes from that you love so much?" That is such a perfect moment because that's an experience I think all of us have uh, when we're discussing this issue. I mean, how many dog lovers do we know and cat lovers? who absolutely love their animals, but they make a complete break. It's like a black box with all those other animals who are not being seen. And it's fair to say that there are more animals being tortured and killed in industrialized animal factories today than any kind of animal abuse that has ever occurred in human history because it's 80 billion. Okay, we've got another caller, Lucy in Pasadena, California, your question or thought. Hi. Hi, Jane. Uh, thank you for Unchained TV. It's a, such a great platform for vegans and animals rights activists. Thank and you. Janae, uh, Jason and Renee, hi. Thank you for your, making this film about what cows and animals have to endure for human consumption. I love how you choose to highlight the emotional aspect and relationships between humans and animals. Jason, I have a question for you. Is Is there a push for the movie industry to use vegan props when they have when they do movies and when they do have scenes with food, clothing, and or even animals being CGI'd. And, and of course, it'd be great if the crew can just eat vegan meals during the production period. But I was just wondering if there's a push for that in the movie industry. Thank you. Um, no, unfortunately, there's not. Um, you know, when, I, when I'm producing projects, I try and implement that as much as I possibly can whether that comes down to renting uh, electric vehicles or taxis to 
providing more plant-based options for food on set, um, whether it's crew to eat or whether it's on camera or clothing options. I do know that there's been some recent incidents in the past year with animals being uh, accidentally hurt on set, probably horses are the most common ones you'll find. And there is trying to be more of a push to make them CGI, which is what you'll see with most, um, I don't know, action or scary scenes with animals. Um, but it's really case by case. And you can imagine if you're producing, you know, a major Hollywood film that has a crew of 150 people um, and a majority of them don't or do want to eat meat at lunch and breakfast and eggs and bacon and cheese and all these things, that you're in a tough position to say, you know what, I'm not going to offer that to you. Um, so it really is kind of a case by case. And hopefully, you know, rather than making it maybe 50% vegetarian meals and 50% meat based meals, maybe 50% are vegan and 50% are meat. And you kind of just, you know, turn the dial bit by bit as much as you can to introduce people. Maybe you're going to have a big party at the end of, of your shoot and that is going to be plant-based catering. So, um, you know, part of it is up to the production team, but ultimately you need to make sure that the crew you're working with feels like they're being taken care of. And a lot of them for some reason or other think that meat equals being taken care of. Uh, it's so interesting that you say that, uh, I just interviewed Catherine Hardwick, the famed director of so many big films. And she was at the last chance for animals gala where Diane Warren was being honored. And she said, I think that if, any meat is consumed by characters on the film, or even if the production has a um, meat that it's serving to the crews, you should not be able to say no animals were harmed in the making of this film, which is really, um, I think a fascinating uh, issue that might be considered radical, but I know, for example, I have a friend who's an attorney. She provides free lunch to everyone all the staff in her office, she has a large law firm and it's all vegan and they get it for free. So if you want a free lunch, it's vegan. If you don't want to eat that free lunch, you can go and buy whatever you want. That's, I think, a very good way of handling it. What do you think, Renee? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I believe that, you know, like here at Rowdy Girl, there is no animal products allowed on this uh, sanctuary at all. 100%. You would be fired as an employee if you were caught with, uh, I mean, if it's an accident, you know, you've got a bag of potato chips and, you know, you didn't know. I mean, you know, that's different. But purposefully, no, we would never allow it. And I think it's absolutely necessary to start uh, showing people by our actions that uh, plant-based food is, 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 is not only, you know, tasty, but healthy and, you know, I love showing, I love showcasing Texas comfort food, you know, the barbecue, the, the chicken wings, the ma macaroni and cheese, the peach cobbler, all vegan. I mean, there's no excuses anymore uh, for people not to eat plant-based. You can eat anything and still feel like you're taken care of in that comfort zone you miss. You all know? right. Uh, jumping in because we have yet another caller, Karen in California, your question or thought for our panel. Hi. First of all, uh, that's so awesome about Catherine Hardwick. <laughs> Are you there? Yeah, we oh, hear you. Okay. Yeah. So I just want to say that she, we just gave her an award at the Venice Art Crawl in, uh, in March. So I did not know she was vegan. I would have spoken to her about that. Thank you, Jane, for all you do. Thank you, Renee. And, and it's just amazing. I just want to know um, if you have any, uh, if there's a lot of hostility towards you, um, 
in the area that you are and doing what you do? Wow, really good question, Renee. Uh, no, not really. Uh, we don't experience uh, hostility from cattle ranchers, not none at all. Uh, we work with them, uh, you know, on a day-to-day, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. I mean, you know, when you got to buy hay, you know, you can't buy, you don't buy it from a vegan around here. Uh, you buy it from a cattle rancher. And, you know, if you need uh, help building fences, I doubt very seriously there's going to be a vegan out here that has a fence, uh, you know, company. Uh, you need, you know, some, some, you know, some, some wells dug out or whatever. I mean, we are constantly working, you know, to in tandem with cattle ranchers and they know what we do. Uh, Texas is a very, believe it or not, live and let live state. We are not the kind of people, uh, by and large that, you know, condemn people for their choices around, you know, what you're doing for a living or, you know, I mean, Bon Appetit recently uh, interviewed us. It came out um, just a few days ago. And one of the things, you know, they asked us, uh, I mean, one of the things they did was they interviewed a bunch of cattle ranchers that uh, we worked with. And they interviewed even a cattle rancher I didn't know in the area. And, you know, they mentioned that they'd heard about us, that more power to us. They love what we're doing. We have cattle ranchers that actually donate to our sanctuary. Uh, you know, large number, not large amounts of money. We have cattle ranchers that surrender their animals to our sanctuary and come to visit. So we're in a unique position as former cattle ranchers to not only be able to talk to them, but influence them. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. I don't have hostility. There oh, you. that that's a, it's great. Um, you know, it's often that I find the people you least expect to be open-minded are more open-minded than the people you think should be open-minded. Like I've gotten hostility from top environmentalists, whereas the plumber who comes here to fix my toilet is like, oh yeah, I'll take that vegan cookbook. My wife's interested. You can never predict when somebody is waking up. Michael in Los Angeles, your question or thought for our panel on Rowdy Girl the Movie. Hey, hi, hi, everyone. Thanks so much for bringing this important film to the public. Uh, my question is, um, are there any ad campaigns uh, planned you know, for the film specifically targeted towards the general public? Also, if, there's, if, if there have been any test screenings, and if so, how were the reactions of the non-vegans? Thank you. Oh, great questions. Yeah, I want to start with what have the reactions of the non-vegans been, Jason? Um, pretty good. I would say, you know, I don't, I don't really do a, um, a tally of who in the audience for screenings is vegan or non-vegan, but I've had people come up to me at the end who are not vegan and, and, and say how impressed they were and, you know, uh, you know, how grateful they were that they weren't watching slaughterhouse footage, um, and, and appreciative of just the approach and, and the tone and, and how the film worked. Um, and in terms of promotional, yes, certainly Michael, we, our, our goal is to do a bigger rollout of the film. Um, and do more social media buys, um, placement, and, and, and really pave a path for people to know the film is coming, when it's available, and, and where they can access it. Well, I, I mean, I've got to ask a provocative question. This film should be on, sure, we have a streaming network, and I'd love to have it on ours, but it should be on Netflix. It should be like a global rollout if any film could change hearts and minds, this one is the one that could change hearts and minds because it's not an animal rights film. 
It's a story of one woman's fascinating journey from being a former country singer, then practicing her guitar on the, uh, <laughs> I get this, I love this photo, practicing her guitar with the cows and then starting to communicate with them and then waking up. I mean, I don't want you to reveal any behind the scenes, but this has to be seen by everybody in the on the planet. Uh, I, I think we agree with you, Jane, 100%. Um, certainly, you know, you have your best intention of a project, you put it out into the world, and the marketplace ultimately decides. And it'd be great if there are some uh, vegans or maybe even vegetarians who are work at these uh, companies, studios, streaming platforms who will have like a sensitive ear and, and are more willing. But ultimately, as we know, a lot of these platforms are dictated by algorithms and what people watch and Unfortunately, reality, dating, true crime, celebrities, and sports still still rule the the tastes of audiences. Um, but you know, we're we're not going to let that get in our way. And 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 you know, I keep harkening back to our our idea of bringing the film to cinemas to get people in a room together. I think that's the best way to experience this film. I've had people watch on the laptops and then come see it in a theater and just get blown away by how much more they absorb when you're in a dark room surrounded by you know, 100, 200 different people, and everybody's focus is on this one thing. No phones, no car chases, no explosions, a, a deeply emotional, meditative, engrossing film that gets you to think, you know, that, that's, that's, the, that's the dream, and that's, I think, where we're at. I want to talk about the Barretts. Um, you had talked about how in the film there's um, dialogue with other ranchers, people who live in Texas, people who may not live in Texas, but they're in the general industry or were. Tell us the story of the Barretts, Renee. Sure. Uh, Jennifer and Rodney Barrett have been in my, you know, I've been working with them since I think early 2019, um, right when I first started rap. And you know, I've had this big dream of, you know, transitioning farmers and ranchers, uh, not because, um, you know, I just woke up one day and thought it was a good idea, but because people like the Barretts really need uh, help. People like Cindy and Richard Trailer really need help. Uh, you know, people reaching out to me that want to, that want to change, that really want to do something ex instead of raising animals. They want to figure it out. You know, what I've learned uh, with Jennifer and Rodney, and I, you know, I've been there a lot of, a, a bunch of times. They have, you know, right at, you know, a little over 200 cows that, you know, are all saved from, from going to slaughter. They used to, they used to farm chickens. They had four, you know, 20,000 square foot chicken barns. They used to, they used to process 100,000 chickens every 52 days. Uh, it's ungodly to really think about, but you know, these people had an awakening, you know, they woke up, they went vegan. And I was doing everything and have done everything I can uh, to help them. And I managed to, uh, you know, put them in touch with uh, a funder that, you know, took risk, a risk taker, like, uh, which, you know, we need in this world. But, you know, the problem is, you know, we can't rely on, uh, you know, funder, you know, just, just funding, funding we, from uh, individuals, uh, from nonprofits. We've got to start getting the government involved. We did a <clears throat> very successful R&D run. We re renovated one of the 20,000 square foot chicken barns 100%. We grew mushrooms there. 
we sold mushrooms there. It was very exciting. And it's it's all in the film. I don't want to give any spoilers, but we do we do show that process in the film. But you know, uh, at the end of the day, this was a risk and we need more money. Uh, not that the funder probably couldn't find a lot more money and put more money in it, but you know, there comes a time when you got to say, hey, somebody else needs to step in and put some skin in the game. So that's where we are, you know, with the Barretts. And, but they're very positive. They're very optimistic. Uh, they've got a, a beautiful story. They've got a, a beautiful opportunity for somebody to take this place to the next level. And so, yeah, that's, that's where we are with the Barretts. Well, as somebody said, they're the victims too. Yeah. In other words, in our movement, we are not attacking ranchers or farmers or the slaughterhouse workers. Uh, from our perspective, they're all trapped in a terrible system. And so they're victims too. As somebody who's very wise, Dr. Silas Rao, and I did a documentary about him called Countdown to Year Zero. And he said, it stuck in my head, we're all being factory farmed. So people who are eating the unhealthy fast food and getting high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, uh, people who are trapped killing these animals who suffer PTSD and all sorts of terrible issues, killing for a living, um, people who are trapped in these factories, these animal factories, and they are essentially indentured servants. They are not in charge. A lot of times they don't own the chickens. They don't own, they're, they're pitted against each other. Um, did you get into any of that politics? I know I saw the film, but I don't want to mischaracterize it. Did you get, like, how did you navigate that, the fine line between going into politics and keeping it a personal story, Jason? Um, you know, we didn't really delve too much into the uh, collateral damage, I would say, of people who have to work in the industry. I think it's really addressed in how Renee talks to people, you know, um, how she talks to people who have already transitioned to become vegan, who have not yet done that, and how she approaches them and how she addresses them. Um, she does have a conversation with a couple who um, had turned over a pig. And when they came back a second time, she really wanted to understand, like, what, what has changed in you since you've had this kind of realization that this pig um, has her own life and her, and her own desires and her own emotional existence. Um, so we kind of tip into understanding how we're all part of a system where we are told what to eat and told how to think. And um, it's not always in our best interest. Um, and we have to think for ourselves. We have to question uh, things we've grown up our whole lives uh, believing were true, but turns out we're not really the case. Um, but, you know, the story really focuses on on how Renee's and Tommy's activism kind of approaches all different people from all different walks of life and reaches them where they are rather than forcing them to understand where Renee is. And personally, I think marketing is super important, how it's presented uh, certainly not as a film about animals or animal rights or veganism, but about one woman's journey of uh, just the intricacies of her story where her husband was originally very opposed to uh, her plan to save the cows. And she secretly raised money online and then bought her uh, husband's uh, cattle ranch out from under him. But then he went vegan. And what's that famous line that he says all the time about veganism being thrush? <laughs> what, what does Tommy say? Oh, God, that is so funny. Bon Appetit wanted to know too. It's in that, it's in that story. Uh, veganism was shoved down my throat. I chewed it up and I liked it. 
And he is now. And I mean, it just shows you, I think, you know, we're just about out of time. But if they can do it, okay, if Renee and Tommy in the heart of cattle country and a cattle rancher family can do it, anybody can do it. And, uh, you know, I personally went vegan because a fourth generation cattle rancher named Howard Lyman was doing a book tour for his book, Mad Cowboy. He had just been on Oprah revealing the horrors of the in industry. And he and his publicist came up to my cubicle after the interview. And he said, do you eat dairy? And I was vegetarian. He said, do you eat dairy? And I was embarrassed. I said, yes. And they said, liquid meat right at my nose. And that was the moment I went vegan. So there's another cattle rancher. That was Howard Lyman was a fourth generation cattle rancher and he got me to go vegan. So it's really, um, you know, the medium is the message. That's final thoughts from everybody. In my opinion, the medium, the medium is the message. This film allows people to connect the dots on their own without it being forced down their throat, Jason. Absolutely. Um, I really see that all, all vegan films and variety films serve a certain function. And they all reach people in certain ways. I've certainly had people watch this film and didn't like it. I get it. And maybe another film is best suited for them. But this is what I thought would be another voice to add to that choir of how easy it is to go vegan, why it makes sense to go vegan. Um, and as you've said and Renee said, you know, if we can go vegan, anyone can go vegan. And that that's part of the heart of this film. And Renee, what is your final thought about what this can achieve? Well, you know, the Rowdy Girl Impact Tour is is really growing and it's really exciting. I mean, we, we've we got a, a $50,000 match, you know, towards the tour with a commitment to even have more funded if we can meet this match. And yesterday we got a $25,000 donation toward that match. Woo! We are so close to getting the $50,000 match to $50,000 so we can get the other $50,000. The tour, taking me on tour, taking me out of the sanctuary. Um, and, and so that I can be there with you when this documentary documentary is screened with Jason, it's just, it just ups the level. I, I hope that we can get this match. I hope that we can even take it beyond. I mean, this, this film has what it takes to have a grassroots organic movement in your communities. Uh, you know, so, so y'all help us, y'all help us get there. You know, we're, we're almost there. If you'd like to do that, just, you know, email me at Renee at rowdygirlsanctuary.org and, I'll be happy to tell you how to plug into that. Yes. And I'm sure you can. There's so many ways to reach people. You can DM uh, direct message Renee King Sonin on Instagram. You can send her a Facebook notification or you can email her. Um, and your email, I'm sure, is on your website. RowdyGirlSanctuary.org. How simple is that? Um, I personally want to say we have one minute. I hope this film is shown in churches. Uh, I think, you know, let's avoid the uh, hipster elitists who may already uh, be like, I think let's go to the people, the people who can see this in churches and synagogues in, um, you know, wherever ranchers gather at the, at the cowboy, at the cowboy churches. At the cowboy churches. Exactly. That's where I think it would be incredible to show this film. Not to say we're ignoring any part of the population, but I think that's the, the. I mean, who am I to say? But in my opinion, that would be the real focus. 
and how it's marketed. To also, not anything away. I just want to say I'll be in San Francisco for anybody out there that would like to come see the screening at the Roxy. I'll be there October 29th in person for one night only. It's a quick trip, uh, but I would love to see you there. And I'll also be in Kansas City this weekend. Uh, we're screening the documentary there. And I'm doing. I'm the keynote um, speaker there. So that's um, in Kansas City at the Unity Retreat Center. Victoria Moran will be there and so will Dr. Rao. Wow. Well, again, you can go to find out, either try to gr- get a screening in your neighborhood or um, to go to a screening that's already set up, rowdygirlfilm.com forward slash screenings. Thank you, Voice America, for letting us have this incredible conversation. Thank you, Jason and Renee, for all you do. Absolutely amazing. Gotta see this film. Rowdy Girl, the movie. See you next time here on Unchained TV. Thank you for tuning in to Unchained TV. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. 